One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to a Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. So excited to have everybody along with us. I'm coming to you live from Orlando, Florida, uh, where we are getting prepared for the John Maxwell Team uh, International Maxwell Certification event. Uh, actually kicks off tomorrow. Uh, we'll be here through Thursday, so super excited to have my JMT family uh, actually just right out the door, ready to go. So as uh, soon as we're done with the show, we're going to be joining them and getting into conference mode. Um, a couple of things, uh, you know, this, this past week, it's been, you know, crazy busy, um, but I've been on this tear of um, really understanding project management statistics, failures, what leads to failures, and in, in what people are looking for in, in project managers. Um, and, you know, this stems, it starts with, even when we had Colin Ellis on the show um, a few weeks back, and, and in fact, I just found out, for those of you that may have missed that show or are Colin Ellis fans, he's going to be keynoting the Organizational Agility Conference on September 12th that I'm hosting. So Colin and I will be back together on that uh, on September 12th. But anyway, you know, one of my favorite quotes that he says that, that he brings out is is how you know, when you're looking for resumes as project managers, it'll say like, you know, need project manager, five years experience, uh, must have experience in SharePoint. And he's like, you, you know, you need a SharePoint administrator. You don't need a project manager. And so that always tickled me. And, and I've really been kind of uh, doing a lot of study around this. And so I came across an interesting study, and this comes from PMI, Project Management Institute. But they had did, uh, did, there's that English that uh, I'm, I'm so well known for on the radio, but uh, he, they have uh, done a, a participative study and they were trying to get to, you know, what are the leadership areas in, in project management? So um, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about failures and failures of leadership and uh, discuss several other things that are on my mind. First, we have to clear up a couple of controversies. So uh, there, I'd gotten some feedback. Uh, normally when I'm in my home office, there's a big cup uh, that I'm drinking water out of. And, and if you're on the Zoom conference or you watch us on Facebook Live, you, you see me drinking out of this cup. Uh, and I got a, a listener message asking, you know, what's in the cup? And so, look, in the cup is water. Look, I'm not that crazy. I even have my little bottle of water here now that I'm in the hotel room. But uh, it's just water, gang. So if you see me drinking out of my big Tennessee cup, there's there, there's no fun hiding inside of that. Um, the other thing that um, I've gotten some listener feedback on in the last couple of weeks is as we were talking about all the statistics around project failure. And so this kind of leads into that as well. So if you look at the study that PMI brought out about leadership and project management, um, they had uh, 10 things that they were rating that, that actually came up and then they rated them. And so they're saying that the, the number one skill a project manager needs is people skills. Uh, and I love that, right? Because if it's all about communication, it's all that you know other stuff. Um, then you get into leadership, listening, integrity, uh, strong, strong at building trust, verbal communication, strong at building teams, conflict resolution, critical thinking, and understands and balances priorities. And I find that interesting because I didn't see anything there about, you know, creating a, a proper schedule and, and, you know, updating a Gantt chart and all that kind of stuff. And it really leads back to the platform that I'm pushing, which is the, the number one skill 
a, a project manager really needs to develop is influence. And, and that's a key reason why I even joined the John Maxwell team. There's, there's nobody, nobody better in the industry um, that understands the connection to people, uh, valuing people. I mean, John is a mentor, teaches us to, to love people unconditionally every day, value people every day, um, and, and believing in people every day. And, and how is that just, you know, not going to help you with your people skills and leadership? So what was interesting as you read this study, though, is it says that while my, uh, many of the skills and competencies appear on, you know, these lists, when they really started to um, do some different uh, skills and competencies in the presence of different project characteristics, it, the kind of rankings changed. So, for instance, if you look at a very large uh, project, uh, most of the people said leadership was the biggest issue. And again, Leadership to me is not a project management trait only. It is a trait from everybody who has responsibility onto the project, starting with the sponsor, going to the stakeholders, and then obviously a project manager, you know, assisting in the leadership. They said that the second most important was relevant prior experience, and the third most important was planning. And then they pushed people skills to fourth most important, but to me, Again, people's skills and leadership are, are kind of on the same level. So the reason why I bring this up is if you start to look at um, kind of the top 10 main causes of project failure, um, they list poor preparation, inadequate documentation and tracking, and then it gets down to number three where it says bad leadership. So we're offline a little bit here in the sense that what they're stating is that they want leadership as number one, but, but they say bad leadership is kind of the third thing that identify causes of project failure. When we see this word leader, we usually think the project manager, but again, it's people at the management level have a, a responsibility to ensure the project is successful. So if we take that for just a second and start to look at some of these, you know, items in some of these, you know, failures. Um, if you look at like list of, uh, of failed projects, um, they'll say things like uh, the, the problems were scope creep or cost overrun or the project was never completed. It's too complicated, poorly functioning. You know, the system was never used. All of that is leadership. All of that to me is leadership. And so what does it make take to to make a great leader and so I want you to think back you know especially my podcast listeners let's think back for a moment and start to identify you know a great leader uh, as somebody you follow now I've got a, a, a compare and contrast you know here in, in my life and so one of the leaders that I followed that turned out to, to not be a leader I wanted to follow though was was incredible at leading in good time. So we, you know, I was in a consulting firm. Everybody was making their numbers. They were they were mandating that we go play golf once a week with our clients. I mean, everything was was you know golden. Um, when when the the dot com bubble burst, um, and all of a sudden everybody's kind of fighting for their lives. This this guy was nowhere to be found, and was was constantly making promises to keep people around, but couldn't come through with promises. Um, and so that was very disappointing to me to watch somebody do that because really in those times of need, those times of change, that's when a leader really needs to step up. That's when they really need to come through. And so 
you know, I compare and contrast that to somebody to, to me um, that, that, that I look up to. And, and I'll, I'll say the name just because he's important to me. His name's Dave Keys. And I watched Dave lead a couple of different organizations. And, and you can tell what type of leader he is by when he goes back to any of these locations that people know him and to see how warmly he's regarded. And again, I saw a ton of, of bad times and, and um, you know, I, I watched him exit an organization and go to another and, and that wasn't, you know, something he really wanted to do, but um, the integrity in which he led was, was incredible. He, he's somebody I'll follow anytime, anywhere. And so when I start to look at that and then bring that back to leadership, then what does that really mean? And, and to me, I think it comes to open communication. It, be, it becomes, you know, having the uncomfortable conversations, but being honest and truthful um, and, uh, and really just saying what you mean and doing what you say. And so I'll give you an example, though, of, of where these leadership challenges come up on a daily basis. And it's just, how are you going to lead? What are you going to do? And, and what's that decision you're going to make? Um, so I was answering a, an RFP uh, for a client that we're working with. And, uh, you know, on their questions, it said that, you know, can the product do this out of the box? Or does it have to be customized? And, and the product that I work with most often is CAPPM. And, and, and so most of the answers um, weren't fitting either one. So I couldn't answer that it was out of the box because it didn't exist when you know, the software is installed, but it's point and click configuration to us, um, not customization. So what was interesting, so I chose the customization answers just because I couldn't honestly say it's out of the box or mislead them to say, you know, as soon as you install it, it's there. Um, and so the client questioned me about that. They came back and they said, you know, we've got all these answers that are saying it's customization. And I explained to them, I said, well, I answered it that way because that was the closest answer to the truth that you gave me. Um, but I didn't want to overstate or um, try to make it look like we were going to say whatever it took to get your business and then back off of that once we started. Um, that move alone uh, has, has created a trust level um, with the client that, um, that's going to lead to a lot of business for us. And so I bring that up because, you know, from a sales and leadership role, you know, obviously I want us to look the best when we're, we're courting a client, but at the same time, it, it's every, I always, you know, teach anybody who's working with me in every project manager that every interaction's a transaction and somebody's buy-in. What I mean by that is, is every interaction that you're having with people is a time for them to either tick a box into the pro or tick a box into the con column with you. And so there's a transaction happening there. They're either buying in and trusting you and believing you in, in, in building up, or they're taking you, you know, you're, you're, you're basically making, you know, debits and credits into this leadership profile with them. And so it could be something as mundane as, you know, somebody just asking a simple question and you giving a flippant answer that, you know, can start to take those credits into the wrong direction. So this is kind of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about um, some other reasons why uh, projects fail. What are some of those characteristics that we look for? And we're going to stay in this leadership mode uh, just because I'm about to walk into one of the greatest leadership conferences I know uh, on the planet. So 
We'll keep doing this. We're going to take a quick break here. You're listening to Rick Morris and the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. In today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management. From CA. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to this edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're talking about leadership, project management, project management failures, and, and I'm going to stay on this leadership uh, topic just because it's it's firing me up and in I'm sort of pivoting to that a little bit, but, you know, it started with this study from PMI that, that I was reading that was looking at, you know, not only the best, you know, skills for a project manager, but the fit between project managers work and the most important skills and competencies. And so as the study goes on, you know, it says, you know, from a project sponsor view, the project management skills and competencies they really want to have, and number one they came up with was integrity and ethical behavior. Uh, they wanted them to be decisive, of course, leadership, listening, and verbal communication. All of those, to me, fit this leadership profile. And so as I took my, you know, it, as I take my leadership journey, uh, I, you know, I'll share a quote uh, that comes f- from John himself is, 
you know, with, with leadership and influence to me being the number one thing a project manager can improve and, and utilize to, to help uh, project environments, um, you know, I started to, to reach out and, and really start to, to get on this leadership journey. And I wanted to become an expert in leadership. And there was a quote that John shared uh, with me that, um, that really kind of shook me up a little bit um, and, and changed my direction. Because anytime you start a journey, let's, you know, take weight loss as a journey, take, you know, education as a journey. The question is, is how fast can I get there? How fast can I become an expert? How fast can I start, you know, monetizing some of this stuff? Um, and at some point in your journey, that, that shift changes from how fast can I do this to how far can I go? And, and when John shared that quote with me, that's, that's something that, that I've utilized quite a bit. And I'm going to bring that back into the project management context. So I'll be working with a client. They're, they're wanting to develop you know, their entire project management office, put software in there, that kind of stuff. And their first question to us as a consulting firm is, how fast can you do that? Right? What's, the, what's the smallest amount of money I can pay? And how fast can I do that? And I have taken that quote from John and utilized it more there because, again, every action action is a transaction or interaction is a transaction somebody's buying. And, and so I've learned to start answering that question by going, wait a minute, it, you're asking me the wrong question. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, it's not about how fast can I do something? I can do things quickly, but it's how far I can take you. It's how far we can go as an organization. Um, and, and really, as long as we're getting high returns on the, the investment we're making, it shouldn't matter. And, and that has turned quite a bit. Well, then that leads me to another quote, though, uh, that, that I work with often with John, where he says, um, if you haven't been changed inwardly, you can't influence outwardly. And that one um, hits me pretty hard because I, I, I meet so many project managers. Um, and, and quite frankly, I was one of those. Um, several years ago that just think that they've got it. They, they're there. They don't, they don't need any more training. They don't need to push out anymore. They don't need to be open to learning. Um, and I was one of those in, in, in not being very successful, to be honest with you. It wasn't, wasn't the greatest time of, of my career. Um, and something did change in me inwardly. Um, and and I'll, I'll give you, you know, what I tell people when they ask me, you know, when did your career in project management change and take off? And I said, you know, for me, it was when I, I stopped worrying about whether or not I was going to be successful and shifted to whether or not my sponsor was going to be successful. So I don't, you know, everything I do is, is based on making that sponsor look the best they possibly can. Um, and then eventually that'll flow down to me. But, you know, early in my career, I was making sure that, you know, if something was going wrong, that I couldn't be blamed for it, that I couldn't, you know, be the person that, that you point the finger at. And it really doesn't matter. Um, because if, if you can change inwardly, then you can influence outwardly, right? And, and I know so many people that, that have this mentality that, you know, um, a, a, an eye for an eye, you know, they, somebody, somebody has made me mad, I'm going to do something to them, or they didn't sponsor me here, they didn't help me here, so I'm going to do something uh, uh, back to them. And, and, you know, an eye for an eye only makes everyone in the world blind, right? Gandhi said that. And so it's, it, what was interesting is, is I had placed so much of my self-worth in how people valued me. 
But what was interesting about that is that I didn't value those people. And so the people that don't value us can't determine what our value is. And so I was seeking acceptance from, you know, executives and people that I was working with and that kind of stuff, but they, they weren't in it for me. They were in it for themselves. And the, the people that don't value us can't determine what our value is to the organization. And so, you know, I'm going to flip this for a second because, you know, I talk, I talk to my, my family quite a bit and my daughter um, it, it was having an issue. And one of the things that, that I utilize and say to her is like, I don't, I don't know what the person did to you. I, I don't know what they did to you to make you mad. I don't know what they did to you to, to upset you, but I, I know what you're doing to you. And it's much worse than what that person did, right? Cause you're holding onto a grudge. You're getting angry. You're not communicating well. You're, you're taking out your anger on other people. You're misplacing things. And and so, you know, you have to take a step back and say, you know, I don't know what it is that, 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 that someone's done to you, but whatever you're doing to you right now is so much worse. Um, and, and so I take a step back, right, and, and learn from my own teachings that, you know, there's so many times that, that, that something will happen on a project or with a customer or a client or something and you, and you go, oh, man, boy, they're they're doing this to me and, and they're really not. I'm, I'm choosing my reaction back to them. And that's not leadership, right? Leadership is truly doing the right things when nobody's looking. It's, it's living in, in a value stream that doesn't matter who's keeping score. And when I watch project managers, run their projects, it's, it's almost like they're keeping a balance sheet. Who's done me right? Who's done me bad? Who am I going to really communicate to? Who am I going to go around to get this stuff happening? And your focus gets off the game. And if your focus is off the game, you're not going to lead to the project success, right? So hopefully this is this making sense and, and resonating. Um, I mean, the, the thing happens in projects more than anything is that we, we encounter baggage and, and we encounter, you know, we bring past, you know, thoughts and relationships and things like that into every project that we work. And then there's just some point in which you realize that this journey is too long to carry any of that baggage. The, the, the journey is too big to worry about things that I can't resolve. So when I look at these skills and competencies and I see that integrity and ethical behavior is number one to sponsors, that means to me that that's not something that they're experiencing often. And so, you know, I, I, I brought this up at a, at a conference I was speaking at um, not too long ago and, and some of the audience members chimed in. They said like, well, what if they're not ethical? What if they're not being communicative? What, you know, that's, that's why we are the way we are. And I was like, but you, you have to model the behavior that you want, right? Influence is leading by example. Influence is really um, taking out the, the emotion and making sure that we're making the right decisions, that it's not personal based. It's not, you know, trying to keep score. 
And, and when you start to let a lot of that go, I guarantee you, your influence grows, your success grows. So if integrity and ethical behavior is the number one thing sponsors are searching for, that means they're not getting that on a daily basis. And we can change that as project managers. We in ourselves can change inwardly so that we can begin to influence outwardly. And that's something that, that I want all of us to start to do. If we, if we want to enable the value of project management, which is my entire platform, then we have to start thinking beyond um, just our positions and ourselves and, and how do we start to, to build an organization that has trust, integrity, ethical behavior. Um, and, and again, you can be the person that models the change either way. Right, you're the, you're the one that either can add to the the integrity side of it, or you can take it away. Um, so to me, and I just got a a quote from a listener here that says, "Ethical behavior is leadership and influential, and it reduces baggage." And I totally agree with that um, because it's built on the foundation of trust. And if you don't have trust, you you don't have anything. And so I'm going to leave you with this comment right before we take a break. In my book, Stop Playing Games, right, the first chapter I talk about is how you start a relationship with a sponsor on a lie. And, you know, most people, again, they, they get shocked when I say that. I said, but let's think about it. How did you do the project budget? And again, 90% of project managers out there will formulate a budget and then they'll pad 15% on top. And, and they do that because the sponsors are going to cut, you know, 10% arbitrarily. And, but what I teach them is, but you're starting the whole project and relationship on a lie because you're playing a game that says, let's out pad the cut instead of just having an honest conversation of what the project needs in order to be able to, to, to run it. And again, that comes in culture and vision, but you can model the behavior. You can go to the sponsor because quite frankly, project managers over time is training the sponsor that they can cut by an arbitrary 10% because they assume it's padded. So everybody's playing a game Nobody's trusting each other. Nobody's trusting the numbers. And then we start a project. And I think that's the absolute way to get started. I'm going to take a break right here. You're listening to Rick Morris. We're talking about project management on the work-life balance today. We'll be right back. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management, the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered. Planners are enabled. 
helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA project and portfolio management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance. We're coming to you live from Orlando, Florida, as we're about to uh, jump into the John Maxwell uh, International Maxwell Certification event here in um, you know, I'm talking about leadership, about to go sit with one of the greatest uh, people leaders th- th- that I know. And um, yeah, I, I want to share a quick story and we'll get back to the topic. But uh, John uh, is now in his 70s uh, and he's still pumping out books. He's still, you know, writing, creating, doing all this wonderful stuff. And, you know, I'd asked him, I said, you know, John, the the power that I see from you and the influence that I see from you is is your proximity. It's It's you know, when I'm in your proximity and, and, you know, when, when all these incredible leaders are reaching out to John for, for his leadership. Um, and I said, so why are you still just producing so much? And uh, he said, let me tell you about the power of proximity. He goes, the day um, that I stop producing, I'm not, I should not be allowed to have the proximity and that is the poster child for entitlement. And I was blown away by the response. I mean, how beautifully said is that, is that entitlement is when you're expecting results that you're not producing. And I see that when people get these titles, these project management titles, or they get the opportunity. And, and quite frankly, the first time I ever got a huge project, I, I'd been running some small projects and and things were going good. We had great success rates. And then all of a sudden I got assigned this huge project and I wasn't ready for it. Right. I wasn't ready to have this project, but, but I expected the proximity of my title being the project manager of, of that project that the people would just do what I said, because you know, I'm saying it and I'm the leader. Um, and it was a huge failure. It was a huge failure. Um, but, you know, as I reflect on all of my failures, and there's a lot of them, gang. Um, I, I don't think if, if you don't have a tremendous amount of failures, then, then you're really not doing project management. But 
I had tremendous amount of failures. As I look back into that, uh, you know, there, there was one key thing that I think happens and should be assumed when you're assigned a project. I mean, essentially companies coming to you and saying, we want you to do this project. It's gonna cost $400,000 and it's in your care. Let me, let me tell you what switched in my brain to, to change inwardly so that I could influence out, outwardly. I didn't feel like I was being assigned a project anymore. I felt like I was being loaned their belief in me. So I want you to think about that for a second. It, it, instead of just saying, okay, I'm the project manager, I got this big project, take it as a, a organizing body, an entire organization has trusted you with this thing and they're loaning their belief to you that you can do it. And then the greatest thing that you can do is repay the loan with self-belief that you can because what ends up happening is, is they're trusting you but the, the, and they believe in you, but you've got to be able to repay the loan. You've got to be able to repay that loan by accomplishing what it is that you're looking for. Um, and, and it leads me to, to, to something I heard recently, too. It says that the, the greatest wisdom dispensed is wisdom without ego. And I thought that was beautifully said. The greatest wisdom dispensed is wisdom without ego. And so what's happening is I'm being loan belief that I can do something. My job is to influence and grow the team, the organization, communicate, repay the loan with self-belief and dispense wisdom throughout the project. But that wisdom can't be attached to ego. And as a matter of fact, when I dropped my ego, is when I became successful. Because before it was all about, you know, what are the accolades I'm gonna get? Ooh, if I run this project, it's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna move up the chain. And, and it wasn't very self-satisfying. I, I, was, I was not very happy. Um, when I switched to this, this ownership model of belief, because I, I think the greatest lie ever told to a project manager is that they own a project because they don't. It's not their people. It's not their resources. It's, it's not their scope. They can't write a check. I mean, it's, so there's, there's no ownership there, but there is belief that you can do the job. And when you start to think of it that way, that these people are believing in me versus assigning me a task, it should change your outlook. It should push your outlook to be what can I do for the organization that's going to be the most beneficial for us all? Not for me, not for this, for us all. And I think if we start to, to walk through those types of things, we can avoid um, a lot of the. I mean, if you look at some of these, these projects and, and, and really read into them, um, you know, you've got these projects that were going eight, nine, 10 years that were just, you know, delays and ballooning costs and the you know, software was never finished and um, the, the organization was criticized for not demonstrating value for money and, you know, contracts were drafted to ensure contractors would be forced to, to bear a significant portion of the cost of the project going wrong if it did go wrong, but it never really got enforced. These are all things to me that I think are ancillary measures of poor leadership and not um, believing that we actually could get it done. 
Um, as I as I go on this belief portion, one of one of the greatest things that that I learned to do in kickoff meetings is to then take the belief that was loaned to me and turn it around and loan it to my team and, and start by saying, I know we're going to be wildly successful. I know that regardless of what comes our way, the team in this room can do it. And so I, I was, I was basically pushing the belief to them so that they could repay the loan to us with their own self-belief that they could accomplish anything. And I think that becomes a really powerful influencer because Again, I want you to think back to anybody that you thought was an influencer in your life. Did you believe them? Did you believe in them? And did you trust them? And then think about the people that you don't think are influencers, the people that if I said, tell me a negative experience you had with a boss and you were thinking of that, and go ahead and think of that for a second. Did you believe that person? Did you trust in them? Did you think that they had integrity? So I, I say all of this because I think the project management skill set is, is, is necessary. We have to do Gantt charts. We have to do, you know, cost projections. We have to do all the paperwork. But I think we spend way too much time doing that stuff and not doing the right stuff, which is believing in our team, loaning the belief to them, asking them to repay the loan with their own self-belief, and pushing to make sure that we're doing things with the greatest integrity all the way around. I, I think that the, if, if we all start to work within that fashion, we can start to change this belief that anybody can do project management, right? Because I, to, to me, I think individual talent can get you on a team, but teamwork keeps you on a team. And just being a leader doesn't mean you don't have to participate in the team. That teamwork has to be all the way through. And that's something that we've got to, to continue to do. And, and it's, 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 uh, I'm going to hit you with another Maxwellism, but something that you have to do consistently. And, and John says in one of his books that consistency is the greatest leadership discovery of all time, right? It said consistency should inspire you, not identify you. And so, you know, I, I think I've made this comment before in the show, though, but like if you're getting your, your review, the, the, you, you don't want to have them say, you know, boy, he's consistent, right? But that is one of the greatest leadership. So having the integrity, believing in people and doing it consistently is what's going to grow your influence. And if you're growing your influence, you're growing your career as a project manager and, and doing what is necessary uh, in order to keep this going. And in, in, as we speak about consistency, if consistency has become boring, then what's happening is you're being consistent in the wrong things, right? So I know so many project managers that are phenomenal at writing reports, but they don't know how to communicate those reports up or they don't know how to utilize the reports to influence the outcome of the project itself. So they're consistent in the wrong things. They're consistent in you know, take notes and, and pumping out documents, but they're not consistent um, in, in, you know, really uh, edifying the team and, and, and pushing everybody above them in order to make things successful. Because what really happens is, is if you're consistent, 
then consistency shouldn't identify you, but it should establish your reputation. And if you're consistent, you know, doing this thing, you're not going to get an award in, in your first week. You're not going to get an award in, you know, your first year. But if you're consistent, that establishes your reputation, which then can grow your, right? Because what happens is consistency provides certainty for others. I can, I can depend on you because you're consistent with me. And, and vice versa, they can depend on me because I'm going to be consistent with them. So, again, we, you know, we started off talking about what are the skill sets that project managers need, went into some project failures, but I think really influence, growth, belief, and consistency are the things that you really should be focused on to build a career that's going to be long-lasting, satisfying, and bring you a tremendous amount of success. So those are my thoughts on it. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back and close out the show. Today's hyper-fast, super-competitive business world, on time is now too late, on budget is now too expensive, and today's innovation is tomorrow's antique, which means app releases that used to happen regularly now need to happen continuously, while always delivering experiences that keep your customers coming back for more. In other words, you need to be agile, and there's no better way to get there than with agile management from CA Technologies a complete set of solutions and services that make agility a reality. So you can anticipate and rapidly respond to change and immediately incorporate customer feedback, build a flexible bridge between ideas and execution, and transform app delivery from an endpoint into an always-on part of your development lifecycle while ensuring an exceptional service experience. So be the one who wins. App after app, day after day, with Agile Management. From CA. Winning in the application economy means executing a business strategy that gets the hottest products and apps out the door and into market faster than ever before. But what happens when hot is suddenly not? Can you instantly pivot and prioritize your plans and investment portfolio to react to the new reality and make sure your strategy is right on target? You will with CA Project and Portfolio Management the proven solution that enables agile, effective decision-making across your entire investment portfolio. Unlike other tools, CAPPM is designed to work the way you do. Doers are empowered, planners are enabled, helpers are elevated, and customers are engaged. All while you maximize performance and portfolio value. It's little wonder that CAPPM is the industry leader with more than 2 million happy users worldwide, not to mention world-class consulting and implementation partners. So why not give CA Project and Portfolio Management a closer look and make everything you've got put you out in front? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. 
To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for the final segment of the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon. And we've been talking about leadership, project management, belief in people. So the last thing I want to leave you with here um, uh, today is when I hear the comment that, you know, people will never change. This organization will never change. And I hear that so much when I speak. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a presentation in front of a thousand people and I'll, you know, have people come up to me afterwards going, oh, you know, I wish my executives could hear you speak, but, you know, our organization will never change or this person will never change and they're just difficult. And, you know, really there's three times in which you, you, you can see change in, in a person, right? They either hurt enough that they have to change, they learn enough that they want to change, or they receive enough that they choose to change. And that's something that, that, you know, stays in the back of my mind. I keep that in the subconscious because when I'm looking at that person that's sitting there and saying, you know, that they, they'll never change or this person, or this is the way I am, then they haven't heard enough, learned enough, or received enough in order to enact the change that's necessary for them to stay successful. And so me as a leader, I need to understand what can I do Right. And hopefully it's it's in the positive aspects of receiving enough or learning enough. But th- those are the only three times really people change. You, you see people that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, lose a ton of weight. Well, what happened? Well, I had a heart attack. Right. Or you see somebody that that um, all of a sudden has this super positive outlook. Well, what happened? Well, you know, I had a near death experience. They hurt enough to change um, or. You know, you've got people like me in, in, in the 2,500 people I'm about to be around where um, we're learning and receiving enough to want to change and, and be better and, and to want to value people and to want to push people. And I'm hoping that, that you'll notice a, a change in me even next week because when I leave the event that I'm about to attend, it becomes one of the single greatest motivators that I have in my life. And I feel like my energy level is has drained and, and, and my ideas have, have, have drained and, and then I'll, I'll get around these incredible people who truly, truly value other people above themselves. And I'll walk out of this place with, you know, 30 new ideas and a whole new lease on life um, because I'm receiving enough that I want to change and I'm learning enough that I want to change. And I think that the change is ever evolving and you're never done. You never stop. You never understand. You never stop learning about who you are, what you are, what you want to be, how you want to get there. Uh, because I'm watching some of my greatest mentors, you know, enter into these twilight years where you're supposed to be kind of done and wrapped up and retired, and they're still chugging, they're still moving mountains, and people still want to hear why, um, because they're receiving enough that they want to continue that that change journey. And so when you start to say, you know, that person will never change, my question to you is what can you help teach and what can you help give that would give them the incentive 
to want to change and to want to move. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's something that we're all responsible for. And I, I'll give you my final thought here um, because it's, it's something that's coming up quite a bit as I watch it. And I'm not taking opinions or sides here. I just want to challenge you, each and every one of you that's listening to, to do this. Um, I call it framing. And what I mean by that is, is people can frame an argument, they can frame a, an opinion, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's you know, fact. Um, and so when I'm watching what's happening currently in, in, in especially in American society right now, is, you know, the, the sins of the past being brought up, um, you know, something happened eight years ago and somebody's finding out about it and now we go on social justice. And I'll give you a perfect example of what I mean by framing. And again, I'm not trying to assume a political view here at all. I just want to tell the story. I happened to be watching Fox News one night and, and they were saying that, that now the left, right, the political left is trying to remove the word man from their vocabulary. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. You know, and they were, they were saying things like, well, what about Manchester? And what about Goldman Sachs? What do they do with that term? And I was like, what are they talking about? And they were referencing the study uh, that, that came out from a university. So I looked the study up myself and read it. And what they were saying was that, that and again, I don't necessarily agree with this either, but what they were saying was that there's certain things that are said like man weeks, man made, that can be offensive or considered offensive to people. And, and they were giving guidance in a paper that simply said, you may want to choose alternative language and here's some alternatives you can choose. That was it. It was pretty simple. Um, and I'm not offended by that by any means. In fact, when you start to look at things like man made and, you know, man days and man weeks and things like that, I can, I can understand that. Um, again, I don't know that I would go change my language, but I certainly see that side. Well, to blow that into the proportion of we should be changing Manchester or Goldman Sachs, that's just ridiculous. And that's exactly what I mean about framing. And so, you know, I, I, I talk about this with, with, you know, my kids all the time is don't this fact and don't even let people that we're supposed to trust create the fact for you, you get in and figure out how it's been framed. What are they trying to do? What are they trying to accomplish? And how are you going to change the narrative and understand and pick your side based on fact, not conjecture? When I was watching the election, and it was on both sides, I'd watch people on the right go out and, and interview, you know, people on the left and people on the left interview people on the right. And they, the, the, the consistent answer that, that just amazed me is they said, now, wait a minute, I, I hear the talking point, but why do you believe that? Why did you come to the decision that you're going to vote for one person or the other? And they couldn't answer the question. They, they could repeat the, the, the talking points that were coming out from, you know, the media outlets, but they couldn't make the, they, they couldn't tell you why. They couldn't say, I, I definitively voted for this person because of this or, you know, whatever. And, and, to me, our entire society right now is being framed. Um, the conversations, the narratives, the hate that, that, that seems to be going on, the, the social justice that seems to be going on, all of that to me um, is people framing other people's opinions and, and riling people up versus wanting to learn enough or receive enough to change for a positive measure 
and get to a common ground. And so I'll leave you guys with that. I know that, that I kind of went off topic there, but it's on my heart and, and I wanted to say it. And it's something that's difficult, right, to teach my kids to not get mad at a rumor or not get mad based on, you know, somebody tweeting out a message uh, until you know exactly what the, the facts are before you make your opinion. So that's it for me today. I am going to go join an incredible team. Next week, we're actually going to talk about uh, what I learned from this conference. So I always like to do a little detox after this conference on that radio show. Uh, the week after that, we'll have Mike Ganino on the show. Um, and then, of course, the week after that, we'll have Marissa Nielsen, uh, who I'm about to go join here in just a few minutes. So uh, super excited for the shows that are coming up. We've got a lot of traveling coming up. Uh, as well. We're going to be uh, at, at DragonCon uh, in Atlanta on September 30th. And then my friend uh, John Stenbeck and, and myself and several other uh, speakers will be out at uh, the Richmond uh, PDD on September 13th and 14th. Uh, I'm hosting the PMI Expo on, on September 12th. Um, we're going to be in Fort Wayne, uh, Indiana coming up in September. In October, we're going to be in Los Angeles with the Leadership Institute meetings. Uh, we've got El Paso coming up in October. So we've got a lot of uh, opportunities to meet you guys. Uh, and, and I'd love for you to come up and let us know that you listen to the show and that uh, and help us you know, find some great people that you want to hear from as well. So with that, I'm going to leave you guys this Friday afternoon. We'll talk to you next Friday. You've been listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 